Well, it was all that I could do to keep from crying. Well, you know who, who had his ashes uh, spread at home plate? The dude that did the Co- Go Cubs Go song. Yeah, was the name Goodman? Steve Goodman? Yeah, Steve Goodman. You know what else he wrote? He wrote the perfect country and western song, and then he sent it to either Waylon Jennings or one of those guys. Well, a friend of mine named Steve Goodman wrote that song, and he told me it was the perfect country and western song. They read it, and they said, this is almost perfect, but you didn't mention anything about mama or prison. Because <laughs> he hadn't said anything at all about mama or train. A train or pickup trucks or trucks. So then Goodwin allegedly wrote the next verse, which okay. was, It was raining the day my mama got out of prison. <laughs> the day my mom got out of prison. And I went to pick her up in the rain. Before I could get to the station in the pickup truck, she got run over by a damned old train. And I'll hang around as long as you will let me. Hello, and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. Time out. Red burn on the board. SP futures up 34, NASDAQ futures up 68, so we're trying to start this week on a positive note. Last week, not so much. We have Mr. Greg with us. Morning, Chief. Hey, how are you? Did you now, if you had to go pick your mama up from prison, would you take your car or would you like rent one? Rent. You have to rent one? Yeah, this is probably not a bad idea. Especially if you had something distinctive yeah. like, uh, what do you have, a Ferrari or something? You're a, one of those trader cars. Toyota. Oh, you're one of those trader kind of guys. You have like Ferraris or something. <laughs> Big Highlander. Big Highlander. Uh, anyway, we have Mr. Greg Pappas with us this morning. Um, he's a, a friend and a, been a trader on the Board of Trade forever. Um, and I have uh, I realized last week, actually the minute I spotted I hadn't seen him in a while, I saw him and I said, you know what? <clears throat> I have been very remiss in this uh, current world we have of not talking more about the futures markets and the commodities because clearly with this war going on, uh, stocks, which I'm, you know, more versed in, are definitely, uh, maybe not the lead story, even though they are to most people who own stocks. I mean, it's certainly to my <clears throat> clients with the 401ks and so forth, it's, uh, it's their whole story, but it, I think in the terms of, uh, world events right, right now, Greg, uh, I think the listeners and, and, and me, Need to learn a little bit more about what the hell is going on. I mean, my, my uh, for a while I had a board of trade badge and did some stuff over there, but I always used a broker. I never actually made a trade over there. I was I was too scared. I was so happy in my OEX pit where I was comfortable, so I would do stuff over there. My brother traded uh, corn options for many years, and uh, if you're in the Midwest, Illinois, <coughs> which I think a lot of the uh, listeners, our listeners are all over the place, so um, we are. Somewhat, uh, I don't know, shall we say, blinded by the corn and the, and the, to a certain extent, the soybean crops, because that's Illinois and Iowa and Indiana. But on the world stage, uh, the wheat crop is a lot more important, right, Greg? I mean, that's what people eat, for God's sake. Yeah, uh, we're lucky here to trade most of, at least 
North America's food. So at the Board of Trade, you have corn, wheat, oats, beans, and then the bean products really are, are big contracts commodity-wise, and we do a ton of volume. And what you've seen probably over the past, what, three weeks or so is a pandemonium in the grain markets just because of, I'd, I'd say, 20% or 30% of the world's uh, wheat go through Western Russia and Eastern Ukraine. So, we'll just give everybody a, somewhat of an idea of how complex this is. It's a... Uh, it's almost like, well, Greg, you're too young for the original Kung Fu. But when the, uh, the master told a young, young grasshopper, uh, every, every, uh, every style is a lifetime to learn, right? I mean, virtually every, every one of the grain products is a career in itself, correct? I mean, cause, cause oh, you're definitely. Give an example of so the little bit I know. People who just trade wheat, who just trade beans, who just, and that's their thing. And like, uh, I tell a lot of friends who, you know, try to, uh, break in the space and they do so in huge ways in their personal account and I discourage them from starting, you know, big. But I say don't cross the streams. If you're gonna trade one, you know, trade one for a little bit and then get used to it and get, get familiar with the spreads. And I call it, uh, well, if you imagine adding gas, to a fire or trading with leverage I mean each contract is is uh, 5,000 bushels so say if you make a penny you're not making a penny you're making a penny 5,000 times or $50 so if you're trading futures um, be ready <laughs> because it's not just one penny you know we trade 5,000 at a crack so in the same way that options are 100 to 1 or uh, stocks, you know, 100 shares to one option contract, we do 5,000 to one. Well, Greg, the, uh, a lot of the size of the contracts, they may seem odd, but they really do break down to essentially a railroad car full of wheat, right, or corn? Right, right. And they started, I think, maybe they switched in the mid-90s to standardized contracts just because it was easier but you used to be able to trade you know a couple thousand bushels or 2500 bushels so then they also had the mid-am which was a fifth of the size of the the regular grain contracts and it was like a, a free-for-all and you could do whatever sizes you, you really wanted but now what we do and especially electronically after they shut down the, the uh, futures pits in I believe 2015 or 2016 um, now we're standardized, and on the computer, a one lot is five thousand bushels, and say something like wheat or corn or beans. Are there? Do the corn options? Uh, are they all electronic, or do they still trade on the floor? I believe the option contracts still have uh, small sections of pits on the what what used to be the financial floor. They they closed the grain floor and then moved combined everybody to the financial floor and just kind of gave them their own space. Um, okay, so the, I'm going to go through this, what I consider to be <clears throat> the simpler one, although <laughs> you're going to tell me I'm full of bleep. Uh, the corn contract, now, most of the corn that's traded is not human consumption corn, right? It's, I mean, sweet corn really doesn't have, well, it might have a contract someplace, but it doesn't have a, this, this is essentially feedlot corn, correct? Yeah, definitely. And the same thing with actually soybean meal. That's a protein. Right. And it's animal feed. But so, soybean oil is not. It's for salad dressing and stuff, correct? Yeah, yeah, 
yeah. basically, or, or whatever. But it, my, my point is, is there is there's different months, and the months all mean something different. So now there's a I mean, so, uh, corn. I'm going to say is the simplest, although it's not simple. Uh, July is what? That's 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 the stuff that's already been harvested last year, correct? In, in the U.S. Well, anyway. in the same way that you have, uh, let's see, in the same way that you have different in options, you have different months out. You have different uh, months in the futures too. Correct. So if you needed to hedge corn, your corn crop for December or whatever, whatever month out when you've got say some corn in storage or you're harvesting, or you can do that from now. Well, the difference is, if you have a, a July contract on, say, IBM or the SPY versus a January contract, it's the same RBM, it's the same SPY. But in corn, oh, yeah. it, 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 this is, there in, here in lies, this is very important, by the way. July is the stuff that's pretty much already out of the ground, where the November is the new crop, which is a, could be a totally different underlying, correct? Right, and you'll see the margins change accordingly, and <laughs> it swings. The contract will swing too, as the as the exchange realizes that some people are caught. Caught meaning you might be uh, long if November, short July, and, on, yeah. and you don't have the the physical. If you're not a hedger, meaning Cargill, ADM, uh, Bungie, or Archer Daniels Midland is the if you've got a whole bunch of clients, but if you're not one of those guys, you've got you've got big problems if you, if you can't deliver. Okay, so what I'm trying what I'm driving trying to drive to here is as clumsy as I can. Uh, if you get a month like in the middle, like September, that's kind of a I use the term it's sort All of bets a bets are off. Well, it's like a bastard month because you're going to get some some countries, maybe Brazil or Argentina, actually can deliver by September, right? A little bit. Or, or even yes. some places here probably could. So it's just kind of a combo, whatever kind of month. Now, I, I am not familiar at all, and that's why I hope you can take us through. Is, but when you talk about world food stuff, and my brother Dan always comes up with the, uh, the president of PTI Securities, he still loves his grain roots, uh, comes up with this worldwide uh, price index. And there's one on there about cereal. And if the price of cereal gets up to over five bucks a day, it essentially is more than most people in the world, world can afford. Correct, and it's uh, like it's, you know, if you're talking about the, you know, some of the. Sure, you know, I think the consensus among at least my special friends, yeah, <laughs> is we might be in some trouble here only because the last time the grains really exploded like this, um, you know, the Arab Spring happened, right, and that's just. God, have, you been, have you been talking to him? Because that's exactly what he was telling me on Friday. <laughs> you know? Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Because, so, yeah, I mean, whenever once, you once have the world who is significantly uh, poorer than here, we, we eat meat, we have, uh, we're not hungry here. And in other places where they can't really afford it, um, they, depl- they depend on these grains. And when you increase the price by 50% or 30% or whatever, you know, that has a big effect. And, and yeah, I mean, if you're living in the Sinai Peninsula or you're living somewhere, and all of a sudden the price of uh, uh, basic food goes from 5 bucks to 7 and you've only got 5 it's a problem. Yeah, and if you think about the currency markets, too, if your currency is also 
going down in the same <laughs> at the same time, you're not only losing that percentage in the currency, you're also having to pay more in dollars. So it's like a, a double whammy, or as Coach used to say in the Wim Wim Man, you know, you're you're short gamma. Coach, Coach is one of the most interesting guests we've ever had on the show. <laughs> oh, you put it nicely. Uh, yeah, well, you know, he's a brilliant character. Is that is that a, a, a perfect sum summation? Oh, definitely. I had the pleasure of sitting next to Coach for uh, a while. I learned a lot about football and even more about trading. He traded right in front of me. Yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> he, had, he had one of the greatest lines ever. I mean, there was no secrets in the trading pit. Uh, I'll clean this up. One of the girls said, Coach, when was the last time you had sex? And, and, <laughs> and Coach said something to the effect, close your ears, Matt, you're too young. Something about, uh, what did he say, an old, an old fat, gray-haired guy broke. No chance. He goes. Now, if, they, if I had if I if I had dough, they'd work with me. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds definitely right. Anyway, um, but Greg, take us through. I mean, th- this here's a little bit I know about wheat because I don't know anybody ever traded wheat until I, uh, I met you. Um, <clears throat> there's a standard contract here, and it really it's it's really uh, in the U- in the U.S. It's uh, our biggest crop is is winter wheat, correct, versus summer wheat. Can you explain that to everybody? Just we'll start there. Oh, I don't want to get into wheat today. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> I'm sorry. The uh, well, I mean, where exactly does the uh, does the if Ukraine has a massive wheat issue, what month are we talking about? I mean, is, does it affect the markets here or not? I guess is the question. Everything affects the markets, and you'll see. You'll see the the spread, say like July versus Dece, go wild. As in last week and the week before, um, I believe the spread was up limit and down limit. So it was a dollar fifty spread, wow. um, and in the same contract. So they were locked limit, up in the front and down in the back. But is, is there a harvest? Are they like here that the wheat's already in the ground? Or we don't know. Um, I'm not positive there, but here we're going to probably start planting. I want to say in you know two weeks. Right? Isn't there isn't there some of the stuff up in the northern, like in Minnesota and stuff? You plant it in the fall and you harvest it in the spring or something. Is that the winter wheat? Sometimes. Sometimes, right? Yeah. I mean, it means it's it's a way more complicated product than than corn. Correct, and, and all the different months and stuff, and all the different harvesting times in the different grades. Well, I think I think uh, a lot of the farmers will look at their options. Basically, what's higher, what's what the what their soil, um, how you have to rotate the crops, and then they, it's a game of who can put the right crop in the ground at the, the right time, and and then they'll hedge. But between soft red winter and uh, I think KC trades hard red, and then Minneapolis um, also trades hard red. But here, um, Chicago is soft red. Okay. And uh, funny, good thing you brought that up because I had a a would be client. Why is it always the would be clients uh, manage to get some work out of you for nothing? Uh, anyway, this guy had a uh, oh, this guy that was somebody sigged on me. I'll use that term. Uh, he. You know they they were kind of switching to other. You know they they don't want you using bunker oil anymore, right? At least near the coast, bunker oil is real heavy stuff that all the ships used to use. 
and now people don't want them using it close to shore because it's a lot of pollution, but it's okay out in the middle of the ocean. Like, that pollution doesn't count, right? You know, it's usual stuff. But uh, this this guy wanted to find me a hedge for, like, the heavy crude, and or not heavy crude, heavy uh, bunker oil. I started, how, how many exchanges are there in there? I mean, there's got to be five or eight, ten places that trade various grades of crude oil and stuff. I mean, it's all over the world. I mean, Rotterdam has a contract. Uh, New Orleans has, I mean, there's something down there that has some kind of weird, I mean, how many, how many places do you think trade wheat futures in the world? Is it like 40, 30? Well, for the big ones, I would say we're here. Um, Dalian Commodity Exchange, I believe, has a contract, and, and here in China, we do, we do big, big volume. Um, South America, I want to say, has, has the contract listed. But we're in the the Midwest specifically. I mean, you're feeding most of <laughs> most of the atmosphere. <laughs> yeah. Well, so the uh, so the wheat contract. If all of a sudden they had a, well, I mean, it looks to me like they're gonna have a real rough time doing any planning in uh, Ukraine. I guess that's a it's, it's a you know almost an ignorant assessment. I mean, you can't you can't go out and plant if you're getting bombed, right? Uh, but it, that's gonna make a a big dent in the obviously the European markets because it's somewhat of a breadbasket, right? Are you talking about the winter wheat or the? Or I don't. The know, I'm not even sure what I mean. What that's what I was asking earlier. What Ukraine? Where 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 would their harvest land in the in the in the in the month in the on the in the, in the calendar year? I guess is my question, or or is it be a couple of different times like here? Uh, I'm not positive. They shouldn't they be on the same? They should be. The I'm thinking they should be. Right. Yeah. I, uh, so the, I mean, it would the, it would affect the regular busy months here. I mean, we saw it. We saw it immediately in our contracts here when there were problems that so we were lock limit up. And I'm I'm not sure if most of the listeners are familiar. We actually lock prices in, in the futures markets. We don't keep trading. Um, we actually were doing are you doing like a few two or three days in a row. You're doing the financials too. What's it like eight percent? Never, never, very rarely. The indexes, right? Yeah. But do stocks? Uh, yeah, it's 10%. It stops for an hour oh, or circuit something. circuit breakers, yeah. Yeah, they're the circuit breakers. But what, what Greg's talking about is actually, I mean, soybeans is what it's been forever. It's been, it's 30 cents, right? So if everything, uh, if well, soybeans are up or down. Well, are, are $16 and it's like 90 cents. Well, I mean, they adjust it. traditionally, traditionally, when, yeah, traditionally. when corn was $3 a bushel, it was 30 cents. Yeah, right. And then, uh, and if it just locked up, you could, you couldn't, you couldn't buy. You could always sell, right? At, the, at that price. A lot of guys go into the options now, and they'll trade deep in the money calls. So you'll see the the futures locked, and then they they might be trading, <laughs> they might be trading the, what is it? I want to say the deep in the money front month. Uh, they'll start writing new, you know, dollar calls or two dollar calls for. Well, when we, when I, the premium. When, when the options first started, I was, that's when I got my Board of Trade badge from back a ways. Uh, the, the weird part was the, the, uh, limit in the corn was, was 30 cents and the limit in the option was 30 cents. So if you had a 50 delta option that was up 30 cents, then you could sort of deduce that the option, the corn was really up 55 cents or something. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, the individual What we used option. to do on the floor was, Say beans would be locked. Um, the 
traders in the option pit would say, okay, well, we're going to trade $2 calls, and we're going to trade them for you know, $13, $13 premium, and so we'd be trading $15, even though you know we were locked at fourteen fifty in the futures. So the implied price you could easily figure out. Right. Hey, if you don't mind, I want to switch gears a little bit. We have one of the listeners uh, uh, wrote in here. He talked about uh, down, uh, whatever oil is up to one hundred thirty bucks right now. That's uh, light sweet. There's all kinds of different grades in oil. Like I said, they're all over the place. These things are traded, but uh, West Texas is the one with trades here. The uh, and the Brent is probably the, the world contract. That's uh, what's that North Shore in Britain? Is that the North Shore North Sea Brent or something? Um, he says that how did oil go from minus $37 in April 20 of 2020 to positive 130? First of all, instead, instead of me just saying it, why don't, why don't you, can, can we debunk the story that oil, except for a glitch in the computer at IB, oil never, oil never was negative, was it? Uh, oil did trade, I think, for what? A couple minutes down there? Yeah, but it was, but it was a, it was a futures on the last day, but I mean, there's never anybody that was going to give you thirty-seven dollars to take your barrel, of, take the barrel of oil from you. Oh no! And and even if you wanted to, you couldn't as an individual because if you'd like to take or deliver or take delivery, or you need to go to Cushing, Oklahoma, and they don't talk to you unless you're BP, Chevron, yeah. or anybody. I think it's a national security issue. It just doesn't happen. Because during the, what was it, um, 2007, 2008, uh, issues, one of the Citigroup traders, I think his name was Andrew Hall, uh, ran into that issue and he decided to start buying tankers and he parked them off wherever and he bought the tankers and he sold the, the far out futures and he took delivery of the nearby and I think that, you know, spread was however many dollars and he just did it. Made hundreds of millions of dollars or billions. Where do you have your tanker parked? Uh, you, yeah, you have a tanker parked somewhere. People can't do that. No, no. What? But uh, and plus, it's Cushing in Oklahoma is a long way from where there's water. <laughs> yeah. But when now when you when when people talk, um, and the, the thing that one of the reasons I really want to jam today is you hear these people talking hysterically on TV and trying to whip up God knows what they're trying to whip up, but. People are talking about, you know, we're gonna go, oil's gonna go to 150, or oil's gonna go to 200, it's gonna go to 300. Actually, if you, if you go out the, the uh, yield curve on oil, six months from now, where is it? It's like 80, right? Uh, I haven't looked. I, it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, because you, you really need to, uh, when, when, uh, in the grain stuff, is there, is there a, is there a day when people are predicting normalcy? Like next year, is, is the price of wheat and corn back to, quote, normal or not? Uh, I'm not sure if there's a normal right now. In the beans, I think we see maybe six months out it's more normal. But even in our markets, I mean, we're still really high, so I don't I don't know. Yeah, it's a... Uh, no, Historically, what, we're very high. So. But when you, when you talk about people who hedge from... How, how tough is it if you're a, a you know I'll say a farmer or a, a processor in Argentina to, to hedge here? I mean, you, you'll never be able to deliver, so you, you're you're just kind of a slave to the market, right? 
I mean, in theory, if if you were a big enough farmer and, and the cash price, you know, you you can deliver to, to satisfy your future sale, correct? Not many people do, I but you could. The vast majority of transactions that happen, at least in in our market, are speculative. Right. But we actually have the largest hedgers in the market. So if they if they want to put the price cap on something, I mean, they they can do it for a while. Or right, you got you got a minute? Can you? What's the difference between a hedger and a speculator? Um, so the hedger has the physical and can produce the physical. The speculator is normally the one um, getting the product. So the hedger is Kellogg's or the farmer, the speculator is you. Right. I, I don't take delivery. I'm just guessing, you know, speculating on the future prices. And if I'm right, you know, great. If not, somebody else gets the gets the money. <laughs> somebody else gets your money. Oh yeah. <laughs> Zero sum. Well, uh, so uh, you only got a couple seconds. What, what's what's your favorite product? What do you which what do you trade the most of? I trade the beans and the bean crush. Okay. Well, how about next time you're on you explain that. How come there isn't a corn crush when when actually there's a lot of corn There syrup? was, and they actually tried it with us in the crush pit and, and there wasn't a lot of up, uptake on that so it just kind of died really well, yeah. Greg, this was very informative thank you very much we'll have you back on bud I, I actually because this is a we need to do more of the future stuff on the show because it's 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 a much bigger part of his life than they think than just stocks so uh we'll have you back bud i'll see you soon sp futures up up 20 bucks now, Nasdaq Peters is duck negative, though, now 13. Boy, they were up a lot earlier. That's interesting. We'll be right back with Mr. John Flanagan. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. 
To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding health care reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, Mark Bay, Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tim Howe. Matt Byrne on the board. S&P futures up 19. NASDAQ futures are duck negative. They're down 13. They were up reasonably heavy when we came in, and now they're, they're heading the other way. The market's been... Uh, very volatile, as everybody probably guesses. Dow futures are up 300. Um, in that area, we have um, we've got American Express up 220. We got Amgen up 238. Uh, uh, we got CVX, Chevron, Texas actually down 430. But everything else is pretty much up. Uh, Goldman Sachs up five dollars. Home Depot up two and a quarter. United Healthcare up 46. So uh, the Dow is almost all green except for uh, Disney down a nickel and uh, Chevron, Texaco, and Apple. Those are the only three that are down. Apple's been getting Whack, whack. It's down to 152. It's down from like 167. Uh, pretty big move in Apple, 10%. Um, over in Europe, we've got DAX up 376. at 2.7%. Over 14,000. FTSE up 22 only, 0.3%. I mean, the DAX has been the volatile one. Because they're the one that has more to do with uh, uh, gas and oil from Russia, mostly gas. And so they've been, uh, whatever way Europe's gone, they've been the big mover pretty much every day. CAC around up 71. It's 1.1%. Over in Asia, Nikkei up 145.6%. Uh, Shanghai down 86, 2.6. Get this, Hang Seng down 1,022, that's 5%. Uh, they've got a COVID issue over there. They've got uh, ch- Chinese stocks being uh, investigated over here. So Hang Seng is down, I'm going to say, close to 30% in the last year. That's a, that's a long way. This is a wave review on Friday. Dow down 229. S&P down 55. That was 1.3%. NASDAQ down 26. That's 2.2. So last week was not a good one. Uh, bonds, uh, 2.07, up 6 basis points. The Bund, positive 0.33. Boy, they were a great buy down. They were negative a week and a half ago. Japan up 2 basis points. Uh, that's 0.20%. So that's high for those guys as well. Uh, oil down 561, 103.72. Brent down 487, 107.80. Natural gas down 15 cents at 4.57. Our Bob actually down a dime here. Wow. At 3.20, so I'm glad I didn't fill the Suburban all the way up. Uh, maybe I'll get it cheaper next week. 
Gold down 23, 19, 61. So gold's getting trashed. Silver down 77 cents, 25, 38, 9. Copper down 12 cents, 450. And we have Bitcoin up 15 bucks at 38,947, but that's almost 5,000 points, $5,000 below where the, uh, the U.S. policy and, uh, cryptocurrencies came out on Wednesday and drove it up. Matt, what do you have for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Hey, good morning, everyone. It's 6.37 a.m. on March 14th. Let's get you started into sports. Last night, the Suns take down the Lakers 140 to 111. Tonight, the Bulls at the Sacramento Kings expect that at 9 p.m. Central Time. In hockey, tonight, Arizona Coyotes versus the Ottawa Senators. And that's all we got for sports right now. In weather, uh, I can tell you something, it is a lot darker than it was last time we were here. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, hard to tell what's going on there, but it is apparently uh, just a little bit cloudy out there. That would be daylight savings time change. Oh, yeah, I, I think I think that was, yeah, I think that was, that's what's going on. Uh, currently 43 degrees, a uh, high of 57, and a low of 37. Down in Phoenix, uh, you know, same deal as far as darkness, but expect some full sun later on in the day. Uh, currently 53 degrees there, high of 82, and a low of 53. Uh, currently in local traffic, uh, Eisenhower eastbound, uh, starting at Wolf Road, going to Austin Boulevard. Traffic eastbound on I-90 from Cumberland Avenue to Lawrence Avenue. Traffic westbound on 94 from 31st to Randolph, with a concentration at Taylor Street. And then traffic northbound Stevenson from Route 171 to South Damon. And that's all we got for you, Chief. Back to you. Hey, uh... I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, you can check this and prove me wrong. Do we have Mr. Flanagan? Uh, I'm gonna say that Arizona does not go on daylight savings. And you can maybe check that when we find Jen, but, uh, I don't think they do. I don't think Arizona's ever gone on daylight savings time. Is that right? Yeah, I, uh, I think they are normally two hours different from us, and now they're only one. Because they, uh, and now they're, I think they're, I'm not sure, but I, I know that uh, was, we used to be on down there. And I know sometimes it was a two hours difference and sometimes it was one. I don't think they do. Um, we have Mr. Flanagan back or is he still muddling, muddling about? I, uh, I found a good at, uh, app for you, man, in case you ever moved to Montana. The, uh, talk about, you gotta wonder about the, the world when you, there's an app now that if somebody smacks a varmint with their car, they can put it out on the app where the the dead thing is still twitching away. Hopefully it is dead. And what, so you can pick it up? You and can go pick it up. Cook it up or something? You can cook it up, yeah. <laughs> well, I hope you got to butcher it first, but yeah. Which, uh, we get Mr. Flanagan, I have, a, I have an interesting story regarding that. Johnny, are you with us? We think he's on. John, did you pay your cell phone bill? No, we're not sure. The, uh, the, um, by the way, we'll talk a little bit more about the, uh, the war while we're waiting for John. Evidently this morning, the, uh, one of the places that has been getting, allegedly, has been getting deliveries of a lot of these, uh, war materials that the rest of the world is shipping into Ukraine, uh, right near the Polish border was, uh, bombed pretty heavily last night. Well, last night, um, and I think there's been a probably some loss of life there and everything. So, obviously, the Russians are becoming very, um, and so we say in tune with the fact that everybody's trying to help these guys out, and they're, they're looking to to deal with that as best they can. I don't know if they can or 
or how, how how disparate the delivery of the of the stuff is, or how, how disparate the delivery of uh, a lot of the other supplies, food and medicine, and all the other stuff that people are pouring into Ukraine. But it appears that the war is continuing. They're not they're not stopping. As a matter of fact, there's a uh, there's a um, I think you might have to call we might have to call John somehow or another. He's, you got him. Uh, doesn't sound like we do. Uh, yeah, you got to call him, I think, because he's having issues. Uh, so that's what that all is. The uh, anyway, so we, there's an article article here written by uh, um, well, there's all kinds of people. The uh, uh, there's an op-ed by Frederick Kempe in the CNBC as the crippling sanctions aren't enough. Here's what needs to be done to stop Putin, and uh, and this is this is a bunch of you know a, bu- a bunch of think tanks. I guess if you put a whole bunch of think tanks together, you, you get something. Oh, we have Jan for sure. I'm here, Tom. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Oh, good. You know, it pays to pay that cell phone bill. <laughs> this is my landline, Tom. Oh God. <laughs> well, no, AT and T shutting you out. You must have yeah, something bad about AT and T. Be coming and going. God. Uh, <laughs> So do, you, so do you have the new app of uh, if somebody whacks into like a, a deer and a moose in Montana, they can put it out and you can go get it and cook it? <laughs> I think we're just going to see the, the roads flooded with people looking for cheap roadkill. Oh, I know. Which brings <laughs> me up to an, an interesting story. I think, John, it was a Notre Dame game. You know, we were going down early on a Saturday to do the tailgate thing. So, of course, uh, I don't know, Audrey had a show house or something the day before, so... First thing I had to, you know, had to go to Orland to get to South Bend. So, you know, you know, the things the males do. Uh, it's not exactly a direct, as the crow flies, as they say. So anyway, I'm, I'm hurtling down LaGrange Road at like, you know, whatever, seven in the morning. And all of a sudden, they come out in the air and they go, some guy goes, hey, uh, if you happen to be in the southwest area of Cook County Forest Preserves, like 107th and LaGrange Road was like right where I was. They go, if, like basically, if you're the bleep that, that, took the deer carcass don't eat it evidently somebody somebody whacks into this deer which you know it happens to people I mean they jump right in front of you they're not blaming the driver somebody whacks into this deer the thing is in you know obviously in, in intense pain on the side of the road and uh, a vet comes by just happens to come by pulls out his thing and, and euthanizes the deer right does the good Samaritan thing well evidently <laughs> He puts, if you euthanize something, you can't eat it. I mean, or at least if you do it with as much stuff as he put in it, they go, whoever took the deer, don't eat it. Because <laughs> you, you'll need to euthanize you next, basically. Where there's, I, mean, I put so much in there. I, anyway, so I'm sitting there going, so I hope, so I hope the morons listen. What are the chances of a guy who picks up a deer in the side of the road listening to News Radio 78, trying to get, I just. Or, or has the contaminated deer app on his or her phone. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, any, anyway, uh, all kinds of crazy stuff going on. I'm reading this op-ed here regarding, uh, I think I sent it to you, regarding what actually has to be done to stop, um, uh, you know, well, this is one, one people's opinion is that they, so they need to send more of the drones. Because evidently Ukrainians are are using the drones really successfully. I don't know if I've, have you read that that that's actually working for them. Yeah. Um, it says providing off-the-shelf electronic warfare capability, including satellite navigation and communications jamming equipment, 
to enhance Ukraine's ability to disrupt and slow Putin's advance and enhance Ukraine's critical short, short-range air defense capabilities through providing more ground-based close-in weapon systems to better defend against Russian aircraft and missile attacks. Uh, and they're talking about a, a partial no-fly zone over the western provinces. I don't know, but everything I'm reading now is that these sanctions will stop him from his next invasion, but they're not going to stop him here. What, what, are, you, what are you saying? Or, or, neither one of us are experts, but obviously the market is trying to figure out what's going on there. This morning we were somewhat bullish, now we're somewhat mixed. I don't see the sanctions having, you know, the, the kind of effect that they're being sold for. And overall, I think there's a kind of panic, I feel, setting in, in the aggressiveness of getting the, the anti-Russian propaganda out there into every corner of the media. And that makes me think that there's there seems to be a lot more importance being placed on how people back here perceive Russia. And, and that has to be negative. It's just an onslaught of you know, opinion molding here. But it makes me think, too, that that's a way of covering up the fact that we don't have really any options here. We, we don't seem to have a military option on the table, and I, I hope we don't pursue that. Um, and all we have is kind of a, a rhetorical stance, and that's the thing that's really being pumped up. But, of course, that, that doesn't mean very much at all, if anything, in a situation like this. And I think it exposes just how corrupt our motives really are in all of this, that we have way too much involvement in Ukraine business and perhaps illegal business and it extends all the way through the levels of government here from the local to the national and the Senate and the House of Representatives and the Presidency too. And as long as we, you know, are, are beating this drum when we've got nothing else to beat, it makes us look no no better than the Russians. Well, Jan, this is a whole different... I'm... Uh in regards to people in this country stealing money from people in other countries, I mean, you're, you're going to find I mean, no no greater partner in, in that thought. But in, in this, I'm going to say, in this day and age, you and I are not kids anymore. It's been a real long time, and, when, and if you're under the age of, I can't even almost pick a date, under the age of whatever, you have not really seen a country just invade another place with tanks and planes. Just been beat the the piss out of the place and how, not caring what you hit, and just going to destroy it and say your place is now ours. I mean, that that's a I don't I don't I don't care what we did. <laughs> that's not that's not something anybody can can say is okay. No, but we did plenty ourselves, Tom. Well, within our memories. Well, but I'm saying the the idea that you know somebody comes over here and uh, takes down the World Trade Center and 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 you go find. You try and find where the leaders are and want to do something with them. Now, Afghanistan obviously was ended up being a lot more than that, but it, it was never. It was never Afghanistan is ours, and we're going to start. If you don't join us, we're going to blow up your village. I mean, we, we we've never done that to anybody. I mean, nor I hope we ever whatever we. I mean, but this is basically we, we like you know we we like Canada. By the way, you guys have a lot of natural resources. Are you surrendering? No, let's start bombing Toronto. I mean it. I mean, what these guys are doing is is is, is way worse than stealing money from somebody. But, you know, look at it from the Russian standpoint, Tom. This is an adjoining, you know, piece of real estate. Um, the U.S. and Cuba and the Spanish-American War. And all, we, we've got a, a, one of the dirtier records, 
when it comes to finding pretext for going in and taking over or colonizing or well, but it was, controlling you know, financially somebody you, you, we don't really you know truck with as far I as you know, their, their current government. So I can't, I can't do anything about the, the the people who took the Indian land, but this this is supposed to be the twenty first century. You know, you don't do this anymore. I mean, right? Well, if you look at it from from Putin's standpoint, what what else can he do to make a threat against the U.S.'s you know, NATO threats or, or you know any any kind of reality? He doesn't. I think we have pushed him to this. We we are wringing our hands and complaining about it, but we're responsible for it. Tom. I think that um, in terms of. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I don't know the full story on that. I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from, and I, and, uh, and, and you know, and Carl was talking about times that we promised of this. And this. I don't, I don't, I don't. When, when, once you, I don't think any country, no matter what the treaty is, twenty years ago, has to ally themselves with the crooks in Russia. They, they're the ones that went down the sinkhole. If, if Russia would have been a vibrant economy, I don't think Ukraine would have any problem hanging with them instead of Europe. But they're not. They're a bunch of crooks, and now, now they want to now they want to kill people. I mean, I as much as I see their side. I mean, I always try and see their side. I mean, I mean Hitler was one of the biggest. Well, he wasn't as big a monster as Stalin, but that was a close call. But I I, under, I understand what happened. I mean, with the Versailles Treaty, when they get up from the table, ninety or ninety five percent of the proven oil reserve, reserves of the world were on one side of the table. The Allies totally overplayed their hand in Versailles and. I'm almost in the camp that says, uh, you know, it wasn't World War One or World War Two. It was a it was a forty years war with a with a you know fifteen year break. So, I mean, because I, I really do think they were linked together. That that we created Hitler. You know, in a lot of ways, the Western powers created the atmosphere from which he popped out of. That doesn't mean that we were that we were responsible for concentration camps and things like that. We never. Th- but did, but did we create the uh, the atmosphere whereby Germany was a bleephole and somebody could like that could attain power? Were we guilty? I'm saying we're guilty as charged. Maybe not as bad as the Brits and the and the uh, French, but that doesn't mean that that Hitler was our guy or, or or somehow I should feel guilty about what he did. I mean, I'm saying I'm I'm just I can't go all the way where you are. I guess what I'm saying. Well, I you know in in the case of World War One and its aftermath, the U.S. was in an extremely awkward position because we had bailed out the Allies in the last couple months of the conflict and brought it to a, a swifter conclusion than the parties themselves could have done it. But when it came to the, the treaty negotiations, we didn't have anything like the involvement that the French and the Italians and the British had in punishing Germany. And, and Wilson, to his credit, tried to get them to back off of that. Well, we, we wanted... This is the... I told you that one time we were out having an adult beverage. I, I had the uh, client who asked me to look into uh, one of his buddies. So it's always a buddy, right? A guy who's got a guy. Had, had some of these German bearer bonds. Pre-war, allegedly... Uh, fully, uh, what's the real estate term when you got collateralized, uh, bearer bonds with, with essentially gold in some, some German bank, right? And well, Hitler came in and says, well, we're not paying those. But the weird part is, we, monetarily, we were every bit involved, John, because we. Oh, we, we had the British by the, you know, by the, the throat, really. Well, I'm um, saying that's, that's, that's the deal, is we, 
We had we had uh, lent them a lot of money in the middle, I guess, of the war, the beginning World War One. I'm not an expert. In, I'm a I'm a minor student of World War Two, World War One. I'm you know, I'm not even on the page, but we had lent them a lot of dough, right? And and at the end of the war, we also lent them people, and some of our people, uh, you know, the, the first division essentially turned the tide of the war. And interesting story on that uh, is that. The man who was most responsible for really our positive uh, contributions was George Marshall, and he was he was never in command, right? Which is even stranger. But but people realize at very early age that George Marshall of Marshall Plan of uh, the chief of staff during World War II was a genius at logistics, and he was a guy who uh, you know really felt that if you had to go to war. Uh, I want my guy to have a better gun, more bullets, more hand grenades, more food, more toilet paper than the other guy with a better chance of coming home. And that's basically all you can do, right, when you send people in, in, in harm's way. And uh, what he did is a, this is an interesting story, I think, um, there was a, the whole western front, you know, they had all the uh, trenches and all that stuff in Flanders Fields and that whole area, which one of these days I still think I'm going to go try and visit, John, but I don't seem to be getting there. Um, the U.S. troops, after they were trained and were seasoned enough, they made an attack in the morning, like in the middle, enough to be seen, essentially, in the center of whatever this front was. And in that morning, they pulled them back, and the Germans thought, oh, there they are, and here's where the, where the attack is coming from. Well, George Marshall had somehow planned, there was a two-lane dirt road with all kinds of people's carts and all the other kind of crap on it, Somehow or another, he logistically figured out how to get the whole division down that road to the flank by, I'm going to say, 3 in the afternoon, which nobody thought was possible. So the same people that the Germans saw in the middle of the line, essentially in the morning, attacked from the flank in the afternoon and basically kicked their ass. Got around the end. It was a huge day for the war. It was was basically uh, the the day the tide turned. And one of the most interesting comments ever was, uh, was a, you know, huge quote, military success. And, uh, as they said to George Marshall, why don't you, why don't you feel so good? This was a brilliant plan. He goes, how can I feel good when some of, some of my, seven of my 20, something like seven of my 20 best friends are dead? How am I supposed to feel good today? Exactly. I mean, I mean, he knew a lot about what warfare was and people died. And, uh, there's, there's nothing good about it. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't care how anybody, anyway, but these bonds, the British, we, we demanded payment from the British more and the French, more from the British. So the French and the British demanded all these reparations from Germany. And then, but then we let, we let our, somebody, some buffoon in our country, uh, SEC, well there was no SEC, they allowed the Germans to sell bonds in this country, to get to get money, these are, these were collateralized bonds. They were sold here. They had a QCIP number here, so the money went from the the population of the U.S. to Germany to pay Russia and 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 Britain or to pay Britain and France, and then they would turn around and pay pay the loan back here. It was a total circle, starting with our people's dough in the twenties. So yeah, I mean I I know where you're coming from in terms of the money. It, the money it, it's like a mortal sin to me, but it's it's still not. The same as okay, send our tanks in, start start knocking off Ukrainians. I, I you know, I just I, you can't get me. I, I can't I can't take our, our guilt to that point, John. I just can't.
Well, you know, but now there can't be any kind of really discussion about you know, the options that either the Ukrainians or the Russians have in this, and it's, the debate is so one-sided. That's never good. You know, I don't care. There's always at least two sides to any kind of conflict, and the, the heat that John Mearsheimer from the UFC has taken for, I think, describing in, in pretty clear fashion exactly why we're reaping the kind of situation we have now, he's being told by students at the UFC and other people to change his beliefs. You can't say well, that's crazy. things about Ukraine. Well, why not? Yeah, that's, that's, why the heck not? Yeah, he, I mean, you can say, I mean, well, yeah, you don't I don't, have to believe him, and you might have evidence to oppose it, but you can't even say this stuff that's, now. That's no insane. American newspaper will run a pro, even mildly pro-Russia piece. No national news outlet will share that. It's, there, it's going to be slapped down pronto, and that always makes me suspicious, Tom. I don't, I don't you know, I, I'm set aside the, the military aspects of it. We're fighting some other kind of war here, and it's an information war. And that well, the, is uh, something where it's, it's a, an essentially moving target, and you can never really penetrate what's what's behind it until years later, and even then you're not really sure. But I, I'm very mistrustful of information wars like this. Why, why is it? That's hiding something that maybe is obscuring our military objectives or our military outlook here, but... Uh, it's the wrong kind of war we should be involved in because it's a war on our people. Well, it's, Jan, it's a war on our readers and our TV watchers. John, our, 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 when we had the we, when I were not alive, although some people might accuse us of being here, uh, the Bill of Rights, nobody ever thought that the tyranny was going to come from the population itself. Tyranny always came from government, right? But now it's not. It's coming from the court of public opinion. It's coming from... Uh, People, people from uh, whatever you want to call it, the media, where people are able able to shame people and do other kinds of stuff using media without even. But they're individual people, don't it? I mean, it's the students at the University of Chicago. It's not like it's the Tribune calling out the people. It's not from media. It's not from the government. It's from the population. It's, I mean, who would ever have thought that that's where the tyranny would come from? But it is. Well, James Madison said the tyranny of faction was, you know, the, the not only the belief that people have in, in a country, the, the average citizenry, but but the fact that they can get political control and push their factions um, as a you know sort of a national objective, and that's what the Constitution was trying to prevent from happening. But but the, the Tribune is is more complicit in this than the students at the UFC, Tom, in my book, because they are supposed to print both sides of stories. And yet, you know, here we are on this hell-bent crusade eh, to villainize and demonize one country, and look at the country that we're backing up. They are, are not worthy of the kind of praise and support they're getting. In well, the, co- the, the people yeah, are. We're really obscuring our involvement in turning them into this kind of corrupt state, and now we're forced to defend them and villainize the people who are opposed to I think the, I think the, I, I, I think the people I don't tolerate that kind of duplicity. I think the people are fine. The government has been a bunch of crooks. I mean, they're, they're worse than they're worse than us. SP futures up nine. Nasdaq futures wow down sixty. That's not good, Jim. We've turned huge since we start. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. 
This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Something happening here. Well, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tamal. It's Matt Burner on the board. SP Futures down 13. NASDAQ Futures were down 60 went to break. Now we're down 36. That's how quick this stuff is moving. 25 points during break. Not sure why it printed down 60. Not sure why they bounced back 25 points. But they did both. Jan, I'm, I'm more, uh, even though I'm, I'm, I'm jousting with you here, I'm, I'm more on your side of this than you think. And I, and I, I'm, but I don't know that it's, uh, this whole idea of us, our, our behavior overseas, when I say our, the U.S. behavior overseas, and how much of what we do is, uh, you know, we're, we're essentially a show for big companies and whatever, I, I would, I wouldn't be opposed at all, as a matter of fact, although, um, we would never be in, can you imagine us being in the Oval Office, all of, all the people on this show, we'd all be arguing, but at the end of the day, we'd come out with something. Clearer message, I think, now than we, we're getting. <laughs> only after only after people were like <laughs> winging stuff at each other in the Oval Office. But but I tell you this, what I, I would love to take. I'll, I'll pick. You know, we give aid everywhere, right? I mean, not not saying in a bad way. I just said we give aid everywhere. Uh, and individual people here, there are people that actually raise money and try and help other people. I mean, I'm not a mass fan of Bill Gates, but to think that the guy doesn't come up and raise money and, and do some good someplace. I mean, you, you can't accuse them of not doing that. I um, mean, a lot of people do that. There's foundations here and so forth. John, I would love to pick, I'm gonna, I, I keep dating myself with this random number table. Say we're giving aid to 
How many countries do you think we have aid to? A hundred? Let's say we give aid to a hundred. I'll take a random number number of five of them. And I'm going to say I'm going to take five bumps from each side of the aisle in, uh, in Washington, and whether they want to actually do some work or not, which I'm sure most of them don't. But say they are not sure. I suspect most of them don't. Uh, and say, okay, your guy's job is, if you don't even know how to do it, which they probably don't, I want you to audit. We sent $3 billion to Timbuktu, wherever Timbuktu is. I want you to follow the money for the last 10 years and find out where the hell it went. And we'll give you a budget, and we're going to send a few people down there and say to the the, the you know the, the two-bit dictator in Timbuktu, you better let us know where our money went or we're cutting you off tomorrow. We want to audit this. John, I think we'd end up with so many people in jail, <laughs> especially from this end. I bet we got fingers in the pie and they go to this guy's kid, this guy's cousin, this guy's wife, this guy's or this lady's husband. I mean, I, I think it would be an embarrassment to see what where where that money went. It's, so it's not like I'm not with you on this. I just I just when when it, when it breaks out into into full warfare where you're shooting shells, you don't care where they land. I I just I just have to draw a line there. I mean, right. But you know, the problem is, I think, Tom, with our inability to follow through on the saber-rattling that we've been pushing for, for a long time in that part of the world. And what did we think was going to happen? Maybe some people in Washington or the Jake Sullivans or the you know Alexander Vindmans and all these other strange people that have been controlling U.S. policy about Ukraine for a while you know, must have thought at some point this is, the rubber's going to meet the road and we're going to push Putin just too far. And what are we prepared to do in response to that? If he actually rolls tanks into Ukraine, are we going to put tanks on the ground there too? And I, and I don't think anybody in Washington wants that. I hope not. But nobody in Washington was prepared to think about, well, why are we doing any of this then? If we're not prepared to do that, if we can't fight a war there, why are we provoking a war? Are we going to be able to spin it in a way that will make us look not complicit in this and we can villainize the Russians and and spare the Ukrainians a little bit of, of you know, you know the reputation here and in the in the process of course protect whatever investments we have there and they're enormous and we just you know authorize another 14 billion dollars to ukraine i'd like to see that audited in five years oh god yeah, yeah find out yeah. how many palaces and a number of people in ukraine you know use that money for but what did we think was was going to happen if we weren't thinking the way you and i would think about this is my point um, because we certainly could have foreseen that this kind of collusion would happen. How and much in a 14 bill? All we can do is try to spin it from the sidelines. And that's a waste of time. We're, we're, we're using the Ukrainian people who, are, you know, I don't have any problem with, with the Ukrainian people. You know, I'd, I'd like to see them conduct their lives in as normal and peaceful a fashion as possible, but we've kind of made it impossible for them. And we're trying to shirk the blame for that. Well, I hope you don't have a problem. Angelique will come cut your throat. Oh, I know. <laughs> you know SOS to Angelica. I'm on your side <laughs> in, in the, you know, the peace and safety of your of your country, but I, I'm, I'm ashamed by what we have allowed to happen and what we've encouraged to happen here and are now trying to dodge. So, I mean, I, John I Flanagan no is dead. There. Long live John Flanagan. <laughs> just saying, you know. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. <laughs> no, it's not funny stuff. But but I, I get so frustrated by by the, the way we respond to these things that all I can do sometimes is kind of laugh. Well, I mean, you, you can't be. We we know that this is this is 
it's a weird deal, Jen. I mean, it's like it's like everything else in life. I'm going to say that the 14 billion dollars, two billion of it's never going to leave the country. Well, maybe more than that. Maybe okay. more. Yeah, somebody's right. Somebody's beak will be in it. Some somebody's is, and it won't be ours. Somebody's beak it's will be in it. To make somebody here whole for the, the mess we're creating there, or the yeah, mess, some some the some they're story. losing. Um, has nothing to do with, with, you know, filtering money down to the people who are dispossessed or evicted from their homes or bombed out of their homes or what, dying in, in military escapades. It, it, it will never reach you know, the people that we think, you know, that the right. taxpayers are being told it's going to reach. Uh, Angelica's mother's, it's never going to make it in her pocketbook. Let's put it that way. Right. So my, how much, uh, just out of curiosity, how much do you think we, we, uh, Somebody miscalculated in the sense that let, let's say you know Putin's people. It's almost I'm supposed to say it's almost like the mob. It is the mob for God's sake. How many? How much? When you when you have a whole bunch of people in the mob and they all you know when they, and they, they when they're, they're young bucks and they and they you know they're all in a KGB and they all are you know this kind of warrior and double secret agents and all this other kind of stuff. Whatever they had in the KGB. And all of a sudden now they they become these these crooks, and it's thirty five years later, and where they used to be, uh, you know, hand to hand combat specialists, they're now a bunch of fatsoes on big yachts. How much do you, do you think on our end we thought these guys didn't have the stomach for them like this anymore? That only Putin did, and these other guys basically wouldn't let him do it. No, you're not gonna you're not gonna get these guys to kind to take my money and my yacht and everything else. I'm not on your side for that. And how much he? Do you think we just totally miscalculated that the that his resolve could still carry his gang? Well, it, I don't think we were we were completely naive about it. I think, you know, it, for, for a lot of people, you know, there's plenty of these kind of people throughout the Pentagon and the Defense Department, they see this as a research opportunity. You know, it's like like marketing strategy. What, what will Russia do, and what will it take to get them to do something that we would have thought maybe unthinkable six months ago? And there's, there's, there's a lot of, of, you know, interest behind making those kinds of experiments unfold and then to see, well, the next time around we know this and that we'll put that information in our database. Thank you very much. And we'll, we'll maybe do it a little differently the next time we have to provoke you. But it's all about, you know, gauging the response of the Russians and, you know, can they fight a ground war anymore? I think they're probably no better able to do it maybe than we are right now. And we certainly haven't given any evidence that I'm aware of to say that we're better equipped than the Russians. Well, I, I would say that they're on the ground. We are. Um, I, I, where's Lou when I need him? Uh, I'm going to say we're, we're we're way better equipped if if we wanted to to surgically take out a whole bunch of stuff on day one than they are. And we we, we would not. I'd agree. I'd agree. I mean, I don't think we would have. Uh, but, 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 of course, the flip side of that is if we had to land troops, given the, the military as it's configured now and the people running it, I, I don't have a lot of confidence that we'd be any, making any better show. Oh, but if we had to drop, if we, if we had to move 100, 200,000 troops across the, I don't know if we have the supply. I mean, that would take us months. I mean, and I don't think we have the leaders like a Marshall or a Pershing. <laughs> Or, or oh, we don't, have, we don't have a rose. I, I don't see them. I mean, I never hear them being interviewed. I, I never. Uh, they, they probably are somewhere. They're probably buried. Decision making about any of this stuff. That's for sure. 
you're, you're saying we have a bunch of peacetime generals? Well, not even then. I mean, I, I, I go to more in the opposite direction. I don't know if they're working for the same side. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a, well, you know, this, these are all, I'm, I'm, what I'm, cons- I'm, well, I'm concerned about a lot of stuff here, but I'm real concerned that we're, this thing is becoming to the point of no return. I mean, the, the first week or two, I, I thought, you know, if these guys actually got together and, 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 you know, give Putin, well, he'd want a chance to save, save face. Is, was a, you know, at least a, a 10 year neutrality, keep the two Russian speaking areas, uh, and pull out possible in my feeble mind, maybe, but now there's massive damage. There's reparations. There's, there's, who pays for that? I mean, the Russians just pull out and say no harm, no foul. I mean, and the rest of the world has to put the place back together. Or they, I mean, I, I'm, I'm re- I think you're reaching the point of almost no return here, and I don't, I don't know where that goes. No, I don't know if our, you know, policymakers and, you know, think tank people have a better hold on it than we do. I hope they do, but, you know, I don't, I don't know. Where's the negotiated settlement here? I can't even think of drawing one up, can you? No, it's the sort of thing, I, I expected this to be diffused much earlier than it was. <laughs> I mean, that's, it hasn't been diffused at all yet. But I didn't think it would reach this point, and I thought if it ever reaches the point we're at right now, it's because somebody somewhere wants it to. And it's it's about pushing the envelope and being pushed back on, because it's it's a way of strategizing. It's like, like the futures or something, Tom. Here's what we now know about... You know the, the Russian response in a situation like this. Here's how they are likely to proceed the next time this happens in the Baltics or somewhere else. And we're we're doing it purely for selfish reasons, and we're we're involving innocent people in Ukraine in this elaborate, costly experiment. But I I have to believe it's not because it's just spun out of control and nobody knows what to do about it. I think the people in Washington know exactly what they're about. And the, the, well, the way they're hitting it, and the way they've got the media and every other news outlet behind them, makes me think they're working pretty hard. Well, as Shakespeare said, "It's why you need before you what cry havoc and let loose the dogs of war. You better know what you're after because bringing the dogs back in is always pretty tough." <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> well, I mean, is where's, it, where's Shakespeare in all this time? <laughs> yeah, he's dead. <laughs> he's like the no, uh, nobody even reads the poor guy anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, yeah, nobody even. Nobody even reads them. Uh, I do. I do. Uh, once in a while, I you know you, you see some of the stuff that uh, some of our, our bureaucrats do here, and you wonder who, who who will guard the guards. I mean, or was Plato who will watch the watchers? I mean, uh, I mean, it, it, it does reach that point. But I, I mean, this is all intertwined with the economies. The economies here, the economies there, uh, and we just had uh, uh, Greg on earlier talking about, and my brother Dan was talking about it last week again. What are you going to do when you get the world price of grain up where most of the people in the world can't afford it? I mean, and, and if, if you're if you're in America and, and you're and you're not, you know, don't, don't forget in Chicago, how many people does the food depository feed every day? Like quarter million, some some massive number. Oh yeah, and that's not even counting the food stamps. We're talking about private people. So the idea that everything is, is hunky dory here. Is it's not true, and all of a sudden, you know, what are you, what are we going to do? We have to raise uh, the uh, you know the food the, the food stamp dole twenty percent because that's what what prices have gone up. I mean, we we don't we can't even 
we can't even tell the truth here, Janet. So I mean, why why would you expect us to tell the truth? I mean, we, we better get some leadership. I I was uh, listening to I, th- I think she's a Democrat. I don't know some representative. I forget her name, but I mean I always, I hear the name and I don't pay any attention. Then when I hear the stupid address, or and she needs to be reelected because. She's been a fighter for inflation. She's trying trying to fight her way out of the supply chain, and she voted f- to decrease the cost of prescription drugs. And I'm thinking, when have prescription drugs ever gone down in any, in any year we know of? I mean, what what is she talking about? And when has voting about them made any difference at well, all? Made any different? Made every difference at all? And, and had, I mean, I'm sitting there listening to this litany. She's from this one of the suburban areas, and I don't know. You know, I I think she's a Democrat, but I'm not sure. Doesn't really matter, but but she rattles off this list of, of what she's quote accomplished. Every one of them, I voted for this. I I feel we should do this. And so, what have any of these people accomplished? The uh, when when how does she not? And then Biden last week, I, somebody didn't ask him a question about overspending causing inflation. He got all pissed off. He's like, anybody, it's absolutely wrong to think that. For, how, how does yeah, he, that that was a, a, a golden moment for me, Tom. I mean, I, yeah. I haven't. Uh, it, it just put into sharp relief just how checked out this guy is. How, but, or his advice but I mean, uh, polls, you know? but you know, there's there's a lot of young economists that, that feel the same way. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I have no idea where, how how these people get in office. <laughs> it, it's it's like it's like somebody being a general doesn't know how to clean his gun for God's sake. I mean, what are you, what are you doing? I mean. uh I mean, where, where do we? How do you have any kind of leadership when that's when 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 they, they can't believe that? He, he, I, I, what, what, the big question I've always: which is worse, that they actually believe that, or that they're lying to you? Well, I, I think the worst thing is that they believe we don't know any better, because that emboldens them to do even more outrageous things, as, as stupid as they may be, in you know, on their own corner. The fact that they think they can push this stuff across to people who are even stupider than they are is what, what I take as an insult. So what do you uh, it's, 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 it's hurtful to be thought so stupid by your politicians. Well, and plus the minute they get in office, how all of a sudden does that make them that much smarter than they were the day before, or us dumber? Well, I, I, I got to bring this to a, something local, Tom. You know, when we're talking about you know these leaders we have, and I don't know if you read. Kim Fox's op-ed piece in oh, the Times last week, oh, the day God. after the Smollett sentencing hearing, which was televised extraordinarily. You know, which normally those things are not televised. But but Kim Fox's piece is is worth taking a look at. I can I can send the link around because it, it shows just how completely clueless these people are. But I, I'd like to think she didn't write the thing. I think it was written for her by some Soros-funded think tank because it shows more kinship with other corrupt state's attorney types like Kim Fox herself than it does with the voters or the residents of Cook County. But she says in there that, you know, anybody who, you know, agrees with the way this investigation was conducted with the sentencing of Smollett for this fake hate crime, they're a mob. I mean, she calls it mob justice. And (laughs) this is, you know, after a special prosecutor has been summoned and sworn to investigate her activities... Uh, which clearly were corrupt. Uh, now she's calling that process and the, the sentencing hearing and everything else that resulted in this guy's being given a prison term the rule of, of a mob. And once you've got that kind of, you know, the, the inmates are running the asylum um, attitude, um, 
sharp focus just how out of touch people are with the kind of power that they wield and how little they think or think well, and it caused the people uh, that they're, they're governing. It caused her, her big sister, uh, what's her name, Cook County, uh, Tony Preckwinkle, to wage a war to have that particular judge uh, removed by the... Uh, right. In a, but he's, he's actually one of my buddies, Judge Mike Tuman. Tuman, one of the nicest people I've ever, ever walked. And, uh, and, and you know, thank God for for people like Sheila O'Brien, the, the retired judge, who couldn't stomach how this was being handled, and she kind of made it a crusade to get this thing reopened, as it should have been. Um, and and yet you, you had Kim Fox still fighting the same stupid battle, and and you got you know she's hand in in hand with. with the Smollett's of the world and the Kamala Harris's and all these other media creeps that were, you know, calling this a lynching when it happened. And every, everybody who read the news accounts thought there was something fishy about it. And a jury has decided it was fishy. And this guy committed really a hate crime against innocent people. I mean, a fake hate crime is still a hate crime in my book, but it's just, it's targeting people who are, are a little harder to identify specifically, but the hate is no less repulsive well, but to me. Jan, I think, uh, it depends. Roll with me on this one a little bit. It it depends where you are. I mean, Lou and I have talked about this extensively. Uh, him more knowledgeable than me, but uh, this idea of uh, prosecutorial discretion is is really. I'm not going to take Kim Fox's side of the argument. You know, I would not because I don't. I mean, I I think that she's kind of clueless, but. Uh, you know, but I don't know the lady either. You know, and uh, so I don't I mean I don't. Before I, I think they've they've taken this prosecutorial discretion to such an incredible level. I was I was never a a fan of Rad Blagojevich. All right, I mean uh, I he got into into the spot because he married Dick Mel's daughter, and you know the blah blah blah. However, and I think the guy never got a dime. Okay. For what what he was alleged to be trying to do, maybe he was just bad at it or whatever. And I'm going to say that of all the stuff that happened in the three or four years that the uh, U.S. attorney, and I'll make a make a, a guess that a very significant percentage of the man's total budget in this area, where he won't won't go after any internet crimes, he won't help any bank out for somebody who hacked into the place. He won't help anybody who robbed a bank. That a, a, an increase, an amazing percentage of his budget went to put Blago in jail. And oh, by the way, he failed the first time, blew through all of Blago's earnings or savings on his legal team, totally uh, put the jury who voted no out to dry to the point where the second jury, nobody would make that mistake again. And now Blago had to use almost like a, a public attorney I'm going to say that if you're part of that, okay, and you're somebody that she knows that that there's all kinds of people that are an awful lot of stuff worse than this Smollett guy. Plus, I can't stand the guy, so I'm not I'm not anywhere on his side. But she's very aware that all all kinds of people way more guilty of him are walking around. And how about J.B. Prisker? Well, the phone calls that Blagojevich has on you know recordings of with Prisker about jacking for the the Senate seat. Put Prisker in a light bad enough to think, well, that guy could never be governor. Well, that's, what's my point? <laughs> He's running again. Yeah, well, well, that's my point. I, the, that'd be a 
your indiscretions, you know, lets people like Pritzker walk, and it nails people like Blagojevich. And I'm just saying, they're, they're, they're both probably corrupt or corruptible, but on the whole, I would say Blagojevich was far less of a threat to the, the, the public, you know, you know safety yeah. than J.D. Pritzker is. Well, I mean, and, I, and this is a smart guy. I'm never going to be a fan, okay? But whatever he whatever he cost the city, you know, by being a bleep, you know, find the guy, you know, double find him, triple find him, whatever it is, and and, and go on. I mean, the, he he's not a. He, I'm not I'm not going to be worried sitting next to him in a restaurant. Does he have to be in jail for him? I, I don't know. I mean, again, I'm not. You know, I'm not a fan. But what what are we doing here? Out of all the people, I mean, how, how much of the city of Chicago paid out and wrongful this? That I mean, how, does anybody really care if if he costs the city a hundred thousand bucks? And, and uh, it, I mean, I do. I mean, you, should there be something for that? Hey, give me a hundred thousand back, you knucklehead, and uh, and, and, let, and just let it go on. I mean, she's very aware of how dis- how discretionary this prosecution was, and I don't think she's wrong there. Actually, well discretionary in that she had people like Tina Chen and Michelle Obama and Kamala Harris and other people well, who were right away on Smollett's side and had photo ops with them and, you know, were saying that the whole thing was, you know, disgraced to the oh, you know, no, 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 gay community, because, blah, 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 blah. Because, you know, they're part of this indiscretion, too. And oh, they're, sure. they're pulling Fox's strings, and she accepts that fact, but she doesn't want their names dragged into it. But, but, but her power here clearly doesn't reside with her. It resides with people that have other power or other sources of power, and she does their bidding, including well, people like George Soros, who puts her bill for her campaigns. But, you know, that kind of, when you have that, those kinds of brokers behind the scenes, it doesn't, doesn't really matter what needs to be done or what should be done, because it's, it's, it's what's going to be done. Well, there, there's, I mean, there's a there's a group that, if you you could be a you know a ten time murderer, but if you're black, you're somehow innocent. I mean, I, come on, no nobody really feel. I, hopefully, these people don't really feel that way. They can't. I mean, but this guy, well, whatever. We could talk about him. But I'm saying this, but this prosecutorial, I, I I don't like it, John. I don't I don't like them being able to decide who they go after and who they don't to this extent. I mean, the, the law. Maybe we should cut back on half the laws if we're not going to enforce them or something. I don't know. I mean, every time every time somebody and I know a lot of people. Some of them, some of them happen to be conservative, but there's some on the other side. That every single time anybody goes after anybody, tries to prosecute anybody, they can name you ten or fifteen places where people did worse. And you know what? I think that mentality kind of puts you in a in a in a, in a, in a wrongful mindset. But they're not wrong, man. They're not wrong. I mean, if you, I mean, if you go after uh, you, you you can't go after some guy from Hong Kong from insider trading. When you let the two people in the Fed just resign, <laughs> I mean, yet we do, right? Oh yeah. I mean, and I, I don't know where we we haven't had a Solomon in the Oval Office for what a hundred years or some. And I, I mean, Roosevelt was probably a half Solomon, but he was at least you know on, on that road. But I mean, who else we had? Truman maybe. Who else we had? Jerry Ford was not as man. Name me one other. Well, sure. I, you don't have any Solomons in City Hall or the City Council. <laughs> no, I mean, so I mean, we we have to, we have to. What was it Churchill? Churchill. His wasn't the line about democracy, but who was it said that democracy is the worst? Uh, With all the others are so much worse. All the others are so much. Yeah, I mean, and, 
they want a church will say uh, Americans will will eventually do the right thing after trying all the wrong things first or something like that. <laughs> and he was half American. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but I, I mean, how do you? I, I think that we somehow or another we got to get rid of this. But right now, that the tyranny—it's almost like government is going to have to stop the tyranny from happening. There's a—we only got a minute and a half, but it's a—it's a—the first show of, of I don't know if you're a Star Trekky. I'm sure Matt isn't, but the uh, the first show was the, uh, of the of Star Trek: The Next Generation was was interesting. It was really is the first show, so it wasn't the best. But they essentially were going someplace, and in the meantime, they get intercepted by this guy. Who was going to put humanity on trial? You know, and so, so the Picard ends up on trial, and you should have seen the Cretans in the room. And then the one, the one guy would say something, and then everybody would go, "This is what we got to do, humanity." And everybody's got their thumbs thumbs out, <laughs> you know. And then all of a sudden, the Picard or Data would say something intelligent, and they'd go, and then their thumbs would be up. I mean, this is what we're degenerating into. You know, we, we don't care about courts. We don't care about due process. We, we, as soon as something hits the airwaves, I mean, it, you know, or, or media, somebody's guilty or they're innocent. Everybody's absolutely convinced without seeing one piece of evidence, one piece of film, that they know exactly whether somebody's guilty or innocent. I hope I never do that. Because I don't know. That's what you got, that's what the had juries for, right? Well, at least I thought we did, but read the Kim Fox piece. Yeah. And she's not letting this go, and she doesn't think anybody else did, too. You would think if she had any interest in keeping people as law-abiding citizens, she would say the jury has spoken, the judge has given a sentence, this will pass like everything else. You may disagree with it, but that's okay. I don't, I mean, she, instead, she's saying this is illegitimate. I'm going to say that in, front of, in her point of view, if everybody looked at everybody who screwed the city out of money in the last five years, this doesn't even... Top, go into the top 2,000 and yet the guy's going to jail right I mean and, and, and if you look at it that way which he's not by the way what it means is somebody didn't didn't bother to prosecute the rest of the people right, right. You know, and here, here you got a guy with some media power and yeah. important people behind him I think he deserves to be in jail if what, if, what the jury came down the way it did the fact that other people didn't isn't you know your I, fault or my fault or small? How many how many people do you know? One of the guys used to be on the show real quick, and then we'll dash it. We have Mr. Mike Hart coming in. Uh, one of my one of my buddies, uh, and everybody knows who I'm talking about. He's our oil expert. If if, if you got pinched, well, how's that for Southside term? You got pulled over for, and you got a ticket, and you were and you're bitching about it. It was the cop only doing his job. What's the matter with you? He's just doing his job. Then one day this guy got a ticket. You wouldn't have believed the bitching and bowling. I'm like, wait a minute. What, what about the cop just doing it? Hey, it was near the end of the school zone. I sped up a little too soon. There was no kids there. The guy could have let me. You're in the school zone. He's just doing his job. He, he went, he went, it's all a question of point of view, right? Well, so the time my dad got pulled over for a speeding ticket, the cop pulled him over. The, the cop turned out to be my dad's classmate from Mount Carmel High School. So they you know, stood outside the car on a cold night reminiscing about stuff that happened 30 years ago, and my dad ended up not getting a ticket. And, you know, My dad <laughs> got back in the car and was, drove off, and he said, let that be a lesson to you. Always keep your high school friends close to you. That's what Pete Future's up 13, is if he's down 22. I'll talk at you later in a week. By the way, uh, if, if there's a week like you want to take me to dinner, this could be the week, you know, just saying. <laughs> 
Sounds good, Tim. All right, thank you. We'll be right back. Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, everybody. Stocks and jocks. I'm Tamal. I'm Burn on the board. SP futures up 14. NASDAQ futures down 14 or 13. Now, when I came in, NASDAQ futures were up, I'm going to say 45 or 50. We dropped down 60, came right back to being down 20, now we're only down 13. This is all in the last 45 minutes, so Mr. Mike Hart's going to tell us all about this in a second. Dow futures is up 165. Individual stacks in the Dow, we've got uh, Aaron Express up 210. We've got uh, Amgen up 263. Apple down 3 bucks. Apple's been getting whacked lately. Uh, oil's down, so Chevron Texaco's down 460. That's almost 3%. We've got Home Depot up 2 uh, Honeywell up 180, so most of the stocks in the Dow are up today. And healthcare is up four, another big mover. Walmart up 31 cents. So like I said, mostly green. Uh, over in Europe, we've got 
DEX up 241, 1.8%. FTSE only up 18.3%. CAC around up 72, 1.1%. Over in Asia, uh, kind of a mixed bag here. Nikkei up 145.6%. Shanghai down 86, 2.6. Get this one. Hang Seng down 1,022. That's almost, it's 4.97%. So let's call it, uh, 5%. Big COVID wave over in China, shutting down whole areas. And oh, by the way, we've got the, uh, SEC investigations of Chinese stocks over here, so it's kind of a, a perfect storm for those guys. I'm going to say Hang Seng, maybe Michael know exactly, 29, 30% down in the year, so ouch. Friday Dow's down 229, S&P down 55, NASDAQ down 286, so a crummy end to a crummy week. Uh, bonds, uh, to the moon here today, positive 0.7 basis points, this is the 10-year rate, which means bonds are down. 2.07, Bund put up 6, uh, Basis points to 0.33. That brief, brief, uh, minute below zero there was a, obviously a buy. Uh, Japan, uh, up, uh, two basis points to, uh, 0.21. We've got oil down 436 to 104.97. That's West Texas. Brent down 372, 10895. Natural gas down 7 cents, 465. Arbop down to, a, down 8 cents of 322. I think this topped out at 364. Um, that's 40, 42 cents off gasoline in the last, the last week. Gold getting whacked too, but not as much as earlier. Down 14 bucks, 1970. Silver down 49 cents, 2566. They actually come back some here. Uh, copper down 9 cents, 452. We've got Bitcoin down 166 to 38,765. Matt, what do you got for us, Trevor Weather Sports? What about Notre Dame with a play-in game? What the hell is that all about? <laughs> well, we're, well, we're talking about that a little bit later. Yeah. But, uh, 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 right now, currently 7.37 a.m. on March 14th. And let's get into the sports real quick. Uh, in the NBA last night, uh, uh, we didn't see much from Notre Dame uh, uh, as far as, as as I was looking for it. But um, I did see that the Suns, they took down the Lakers, uh, 140 to 111. And besides that, tonight the Bulls are at the Sacramento Kings, expected at 9 p.m. Central Time. Uh, uh, in hockey tonight, Arizona Coyotes versus the Ottawa Senators. Uh, yeah, and in, into weather, right now currently, it's gotten a lot nicer out there. Uh, you know, daylight savings has made it a little darker earlier in the morning, but currently right now it is partly cloudy uh, and 43 degrees, high of 56 and a low of 37. In Phoenix, uh, very sunny down there, 52 degrees and a high of 82, a low of 53. And there's spring training. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. We're definitely, uh, Everybody had to be there today. <laughs> or yesterday or something. Yeah, it was good. it's perfect weather for it. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, uh, that's why they call it the Valley of the Sun. Do we have Mr. Mike? Sure, sure. Sure thing. Hey, Mike, a uh, rumor had it that you were kidnapped by the Ukrainians to trade futures for them and try and keep their war effort afloat. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I'm actually doing pretty good, but I, I've been uh, I've been very engaged in the market, Tom. It's been a, it's been a wild couple weeks. I'm, you know... Uh, We've been kind of waiting for this, you know. We we talked all last year, and it just seemed like, um, you know, uh, there, there was something was going to eventually give in this market. You know, we were um, appreciating, at, you know, like at an unbelievable rate with everything. You look at what the Nasdaq was doing last year. Um, you know, I'm not surprised that we've pulled back a lot. Um, we needed a catalyst for it, and you know, I think um, there's a lot of world events going on right now. You know. It's easy to get sucked into the hype, I think, of what is going on. Um, but, you know, more importantly, um, what I talk about all the time when I come on this show is, you know, we need to um, take a step back and look at what's going on with volatility uh, and, you know, the VIX index, because that's going to really give us a handle on, um, you know, where the money's being placed. 
What uh, so what's it telling you? We're at thirty one. We're up uh, actually we're up today, which is sort of weird. Uh well we were the market was up all last night and this morning and then I didn't see anything to cause these uh right. well now we're back to only down sixteen in the Nasdaq, it was down sixty. Then over break it came back to only be down twenty five. So let's say uh it's moving. Well, you know what I think I think that's just that, you know, um we're we're seeing these kind of wild swings and um Volatility doesn't just, uh, volatility, part of volatility is that, you know, the movement, you know, the movement is, you know, just because we're up in the market doesn't necessitate that we're going to be, uh, down in volatility. Uh, you know, even though it happens at a high correlation, you know, like, it's 86% of the time, you know, the VIX is up, or if the market's up, the VIX is going to be down. But, uh, you know, if you have these kind of swings, it causes fear. People people start getting you know a little uh, worried about what the market's going to do, and uh, you know, uh, not surprisingly, we, we've seen a lot of reversals, kind of unusual. Uh, you know, especially last month, we we kind of ran a study um, and just wanted to see you know how often does this happen? And really, like last month um, and and even uh, this month, we're seeing the type of reversals that we really have never seen this many. Uh, you know, in such short, uh, such short repetition, and uh, I don't, time, I don't remember it being anywhere near this unusual. bad. During the first Gulf War, I don't remember it being anywhere. There were a few days that were like this when, when oil futures made it to one twenty a barrel and that kind of thing. The market was there were there were several days that were like this, but this is this has mm-hmm. been ongoing for a while here, and it doesn't look I, like there's any absolutely. And, and you know, uh, you know, part of it is. Um, well, I mean, there's, I think there's a couple things behind this. You know, I, I think you, you've got to look at kind of the globalization of things and, uh, you know, what the big countries are sort of positioning themselves. I think there's a lot of fear, you know, with, with uh, China. There's a lot of fear with Russia. And uh, sort of the path that we were going down, you know, is that storyline changing? Um, and I think there's a lot of different opinions about that. And we're, we're seeing that with volatility because uh, volatility has been elevated and it's been elevated for, uh, you know, uh, has it been like two weeks? I mean, is it around well, there? At least, at least. Yeah. I, and, you know, hanging out above 30, uh, you know, this is rare air to be up here in the VIX. Um, VIX has a tendency to revert back to the mean. And uh, it's actually mathematical. Like, we won't stay high in the VIX forever. Uh, you know, mathematically, we go back to a mean because of the nature of the, the way the math works and the, the way uh, volatility operates. But, uh, you know, just hanging out up here just shows, you know, there is a lot of fear out there right now. And um, I'm not surprised. I mean, you look at uh, I mean, some of the uh, underlying that, uh, you know, I'm involved in, they've taken a major beating in the NASDAQ. It's been a tough trade. Well, I mean, a, a 31 means that essentially an index has a, what a sixty-six percent chance of taking a, a plus or minus thirty-one percent move during the year? That's a lot. It's a it's a it's a lot. Bleep yeah. load. <laughs> it's a bleep load. I mean, right? I mean, I just, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, uh, we think about, we're, we're talking about the S and P five. I mean, we're talking about the S and P five hundred. We're talking about the five hundred largest companies in the United States, and and right now, you know, there is uh, you know, they're pricing in. You can. You can buy it or you can sell it, but they're pricing in that a thirty percent move. You're right over the course of a year. Well, the uh, I'm looking here at the uh, at the the, the today's the, well, where, where are we? We're we're at three twenty three in the QQQ. So I'm looking at that one, not the spider, and uh, and we're and we're 
it's down fifty cents. All right, so we came we come come over a weekend. Yeah. The uh, options that expire today, the March fourteenth uh, at three twenty three or say three twenty four. We'll look at that straddle. Straddle is is six fifty for tonight. So it's amazing. That's a two percent move. You know, uh, part of it is the way volatility works when this type of fear is going on in the market. We're seeing uh, what you see if you look at the individual expirations. Some platforms show this, some don't, but uh, you can actually analyze how much volatility is in those options, and you'll see a lot more fear in the front months, so you'll see volatility is elevated in the front. So right now we're seeing, you know, in the options that are expiring this week, there's uh, a 49% uh, volatility. Uh, and if you go uh, just out to the April cycle of 30 days, it, it starts coming down. So you see 37% in April and um, 36% in June. So, you know, uh, we're, we're definitely uh, more here in the front than there is uh, in the back. And, uh, you know, so uh, it's uh, it's backwardated. And, you know, typically it's, it's in, it can tango, but, um, you know, usually you see more uh, volatility as you go out, but... Uh, there's just more fear right now, and what can, what's going to happen in the next, you know, few, what's going to happen this week? There's more fear. Well, the, I mean, we went, uh, I mean, you probably could recommend, remember the dates, but I know it was really, really horrible trading for me because I, I only trade, uh, re- retail accounts now. Um, sure. And, uh, so it's very difficult if you, you can't really be short premium. I mean, there's, there's ways to do it, but it's, it's pretty hard to do. So, uh, every, every, when we had a period, I think it was during the Obama presidency, it really wasn't during Trump, or we, we went, what, 18 months or 17 months without a 1% move or some, some massive length of time. And now the, the market's telling you there's going to be a 2% move today. <laughs> I mean, in, in, in the right. case, I mean, it, it's, it's not even, it's not just, oh yeah, well, that's interesting. It's, it's, it's a light year's difference. Is it, right? It, it absolutely is. Yeah, I, it is. And, um, you know, you, part of it is you've got to respect that. And you've got to respect what the market's telling you. And, um, you know, you, you don't want to go in this, uh, you know, blind in the sense that, you know, there is opportunity out there. I, I really believe there's opportunity right now. And, I, uh, you know, uh, my opinion, I don't often give my opinion, but, uh, you know, my assumption is that it's a little bit overstated right now. I think fear... In general, when we look back on it, when, when you historically analyze it, it's hard when you're going through it, but when you analyze it historically, it, it tends to overstate. And, um, you know, if, uh, the way I'm approaching this market is, uh, feels a little bit overblown, um, and I'm, I'm trying to find opportunity, you know, going with that as like kind of the uh, core of my assumption, or my trading assumption. Like what, uh, when you start looking at uh, individual, because I, I want to, Talk a little bit about. I know you like. You don't just look at the market; you look at news too. Talk a little bit about how this, some mm-hmm. of these states are cutting back on some of their taxes because they got all this money from the, the federal government, and how all of a sudden now, uh, you know, the states which their their taxation might be going down, but the, the federal government people can say what they want, but that's going up. I mean, they're all. But I, I'm, right. some, some of the have you been watching uh, this last week or two in these. These stocks that are traded in here and in China. I mean, we're seeing, uh, uh, you know, the, the, let's put it this way, the last quarter of 2021, we reached what, new wealth 
records with a lot of the inflation and the market being up where it was. Uh, that number has to be down dramatic. I'm looking at the chart of this Alibaba this morning, yeah. and I, you know, I mean, uh, I don't, I don't know if you were on the show. I think Jeff might have been way back uh, when Alibaba. No, I don't think he was on when Alibaba got listed, but my, I just I went through the whole routine of what exactly was being listed, and I, you know, I basically accused the the New York Stock Exchange of being a, uh, I'll say, a lady of the evening for letting these guys even list. I mean, there were. There were, didn't remember. Uh, you're not as right. Old, I do remember this. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there there was a time when you couldn't list on New York Stock Exchange if the common shareholders didn't have a vote. Well, now we've let Jeff Bezos and some of these guys split their companies to where there's A shares that B that they vote and B, B shares that the rest of the schmucks can't vote. Right. And that's okay. Exactly. Yep. And uh, so we we whenever greed has reared its ugly head. Uh, we've managed to back down on principle. And this Alibaba gets on, and I'm like, how the hell can anybody buy a company that has no no redress to assets of the company? That they were Jack Ma's, which we all knew, well, I think we all knew, we all suspected, whatever they wanted to, the Chinese government could take whatever Jack Ma had. And, and you essentially got, uh, what, the, the income stream from Bermuda or something, right? Well, I'm, I'm seeing this Alibaba down from 250 a year ago, to its trading, it's down another what today? Six percent, five percent. It's trading uh, what eighty one? I mean, I mean, it's, so yeah, I'm looking sick. at it right now, and you know the chart's unbelievable. And you know, I mean, to me, I go back to like just the nature of markets. You know, uh, at the end of the day, you're you're absolutely right. You need to have uh, you know value associated to these things. And, and when they start, they start manipulating with the rules. Um, you know, market efficiency is is there. I mean, I really believe in market efficiency, uh, and you know, uh, especially during times of stress, the market becomes even uh, ultra efficient in the sense that uh, you know things that uh, don't go back to value. Uh, you know, there, there's almost like this uh, uh, like a collective agreement that uh, you know what was perceived as value just isn't there. You know, that could be one. I mean, that could be one of the drivers. I think Baba has a lot of problems, personally. Uh, you know, I, I, you look at the chart, you say, uh, you know, if you're a contrarian, maybe you'd be buying here. I, I mean, I, I don't, I wouldn't touch it. Even if we're at the lowest, we're at 81, and uh, I, I wouldn't be comfortable getting one here. No, if you did it, it'd be some cheap little call spread or something. I mean, uh, but I mean, the, but these yeah. these companies, they they get in people's, and I, God, Mike, as you know, I mean, I, I don't know how much customer work you do, but. I see these stocks in a lot of people's accounts, and these people are seventy-five years old. You're going, Ugh. you know, what are you doing? Uh, but I mean, you know, when it was going up, I mean, I was the idiot, and they were a smart guy. I mean, it's right. It's not like it. it the rising market, you know, solves all problems, correct? But but some of these 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 things are, are absolutely buried. But you look at this, the Kathy Wood stocks. You look these things. You know, they, they, this is two thousand all over again. Some of these and some of these things, and and the, and the, and the amount of. Uh, of, of wealth that's being lost. I mean, maybe maybe it shouldn't have been there in the first place, but whatever it is, it's it's sinking, and, and, it's, yeah. and it's sinking I mean, more it's, than the averages are telling you it's sinking. Absolutely, I mean, you look at these. You, you look at some of these big underlines. You know these uh, you know, the, the darlings from uh, twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. They've lost tremendous amount of value. Um, you. Part of it, I, I really also believe part of it is, uh, you know, this sort of capitulation with um, 
there's capitulation in the market right now where, you know, you start seeing a market moving and uh, you'll see sort of a follow-through a lot of times and uh, you know, there could be a lot of volatility hanging out where it is. Um, but uh, I, at the same time, you know, things were getting, you know, we needed a correction and, you know, markets don't just go up. So, you know, we're seeing a downturn and, um, I mean, my personal opinion is like, we never really see the crash when everyone's expecting it, so I, I'm not feeling like this is the, quite yet the crash, if, or maybe we've already gone through it. Um, let's hope it doesn't. Uh, I, I don't know that we have. Uh, I mean, it's I, you look at what the Fed is going to be doing here, and now you've got the, the clamoring right. that the Fed shouldn't be doing anything. I, I, don't, I don't see how it is, uh, this this thing matches up with the currency right now. What's happening because. I don't think, I mean, you, you and I look at these numbers a lot. Uh, maybe not as much as, as Carl does, but, um, I don't see how you even look at the number when you got so much money pouring in. And every, and every time one of our leaders, whoever they are, whatever side of the aisle it is, not just ours, but worldwide, whenever they open their mouth, it seems like you get an idea that they don't know what the hell they're talking about. I mean, they're, 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 I listened to an ad, an ad this weekend, some lady running for, running for re-election, and she's talking about how much she, she fought inflation by voting against prescription drug this and that supply chain that. What are, what are you talking about? That that has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> and, and, and Joe Biden right. saying, you know, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure Trump would say the same thing, only louder. Joe Biden saying he thinks that the, you know, the, the excess spending by federal government has caused the inflation is is what do you say, flat ass wrong or something? Joe, Jesus, go, go back and take a, 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 a economics one on one course, will you? I mean, what are you what are you talking right. about? And, well, and I think that's just it. It's, you know, um, I mean, I kind of go back to, you know, I have a background in, uh, you know, I have a master's in finance and I took a, a lot of economics uh, uh, courses. And, you know, like the science behind economics, you know, I really believe is real, but it seems like we just, uh, we threw everything into the wind and, you know, they're not, uh, we're, we're running an experiment, a real life experiment in the market. Uh, we can't go back to history on anything that's going on right now. And say, uh, you know, make a fair comparison because uh, there's nothing really we can compare what is going on and the dynamics that are taking place. So I don't think anyone really has a good handle on it. Uh, you know, maybe the, maybe the chairman of the Fed does, but I, it sure seems like for the past two decades, the, the Fed has really played into the market uh, itself and, and, you know, played uh, the market dynamics and it didn't really uh, follow that sort of... Uh, the course of what you would expect from, uh, you know, from sort of that, uh, economics of how things work. You know, I'm not surprised we're seeing a huge amount of inflation. And I don't think anyone, uh, I don't think many people are. I don't think the market's surprised. Um, uh, I think it was expected. I, I, I think they, I think they are. I think they really are. I, um, I, I actually go back to, uh, um, I was, you know, the, the the early end of it. I was really young. I mean, I, you know, I remember it happening, but the, the last part of it, because it lasted so long. I mean, I was, I was a part of. I'm going to say, if if you linked up uh, when we first started putting the Vietnam War, when we went off the gold standard and started putting the Vietnam War, you know, expanding the money to supply for pay for that. I'm going to say the beginnings are almost exactly the same as Bush two putting mm-hmm. the. Uh, Iraqi war and a credit card and starting to borrow money and increase the budget deficit and having the Fed come up with some of that money and follow it all the way through. And then after 2007, 2008, 
It essentially got on steroids. We had a decade of of maybe 2% growth and an 8.5% rise in the money supply for 10 to 12 years. I don't, I don't think there's any student anywhere in economics that wouldn't tell you at the end of those t- that time you have a problem. And now we've had this fiasco after that where we really, the COVID, where we, you know, two years we're right. at 38%. I mean, there, there isn't anybody that wouldn't say your inflation rate's going to be 10 minimum. And, and it is. <laughs> I mean, it, there's, yeah. you, you can't, you can't put those charts out there. It's exactly like it happened last time. Exactly. And so, I mean, I guess, you know, that actually, I really do like that, uh, that comparison. Um, you know, uh, I think, you know, the numbers are just so much bigger now. And, uh, and, it, and maybe they are. Maybe, you know, maybe we were dealing with the same type of thing, but it's just. Oh, the numbers are. Massive the amount of. The numbers. Asset inflation that we've seen. And, uh, you know, the question is, where, where does this go going forward? And I think, you know, uh, and I just, what I made kind of the point in the beginning of the show is, you know, for a while now, we've been going down this path of globalization, and, and uh, you know, you could make the case for the asset appreciation. And now we're seeing some roadblocks, especially with some of the current events going on, and then also, you know, uh, just the unforeseen things like COVID and, and some of the, uh, uh, and, and I don't think we've seen the full uh, realization of, uh, of some of the events that are going on right now in the market. So, you know, uh, maybe, maybe we are heading into a period of, you know, inflated volatility for a while. Well, Mike, if you, if you scrub the COVID out, where we had the, the 38% bulge in money supply over two years, the, the 10, 11, 12, 13% that we've been seeing for, and the 8.5% leading into the, we're now at 13 or 13 and a half. That's almost exactly the same numbers of the, uh, we're, we're talking nine, ten, eleven percent growth during the the formative years of the last uh, inflation inflationary spiral. It's almost the same number, right? And, and you know, but you know, can we follow the same path of um, you know to fix that? You know, so I, I don't know. I, I, would, I don't know the details that you're uh, of of the history behind everything. I wasn't really uh, trading back then, but it's. Uh, uh, you know, I imagine like we followed the path of you know interest rates, uh, you know, you know, uh, affecting the short-term interest rates, raising them to uh, to you know uh, combat inflation. And uh, you know, can we can we use that policy well, the, in the, today's market? The difference this time, which I, I never would have guessed. I mean, I make it sound sometimes. Please don't think anybody, any listener, or you, you're too smart to know that I'm not that smart. Uh, I mean, I, I never would have dreamed last time. The interest rates started shooting up on their own because people would never lend anybody money with 10% interest where you're not going to get 12% for the year. But this time the Fed went totally all in. And when it started, they said, well, if don't, don't try and raise these interest rates, we'll, we'll spank you tomorrow. So, so they, 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 they built this balance sheet. You didn't see this last time. They built this balance sheet to hold essentially the, the whole negative rates of now. What's a negative rate? 8%? 9 I mean, it's that 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 didn't yeah. happen. That that's totally new this time. And, and I, to be honest with you, I don't know what what the long term repercussions of that could be, other than the fact that you and I, to the extent that we've got money sitting in a in, a, in an account somewhere making no interest, we're losing we're losing ten percent of our wealth every year. And if somehow or other the population hasn't figured that out yet, I, and I don't know why. I, I know, and you know, you know, when I when that first came around, you know, you started questioning how you know how is this possible and how. 
how can this, uh, you know, how can this work? And, you know, the, the market's always surprised you because, I mean, when you think about last year, was it last year we saw oil went negative last year? I mean, consider that and, and consider where we are today. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, you blame IB for that, the fact that it actually went negative. But, Mike, it's so good to have you back. I really have missed you, bud. And I'm glad to see you're doing okay. Uh, be back, yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next week, if not sooner. But we'll be right, we'll be right back right, tomorrow, tomorrow morning. Stacks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Hey guys. What's up, G? Wanna go to Chachki's? Get some coffee? Oh, it's a little early. I gotta get out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it. Uh oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. 